All right. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. I want to just share with you that uh, on our show, on the Wise Guy Show, we always uh, have a celebrated moment. And how we do that, on the count of three, I'm going to say this in Italian, on the count in Italian, and we're going to come out with Azzo, okay? You hear what I'm saying, right? Azzo. Uno, due, tre, Azzo. You got to say it with me, okay. right? Uno, due, tre, Azzo. All right. <laughs> Welcome to Stuck in My Mind podcast, the show where we dive into the mind of a regular guy on his road to self-discovery. You'll hear everyday people just like you share the latest topics, personal stories, and things they've learned along the way. And now, please welcome your host, Wise. This episode is presented by Wild CBD. Wild produces the best tasting edibles on the market using real fruit and all natural flavoring with flavors inspired by the Pacific Northwest, high quality ingredients, real fruit and consistent dosing. Wild has become one of the leading cannabis edible producers in the country. Wild's new CBD line currently offers real fruit infused gummies in blackberry, huckleberry, lemon and raspberry and CBD infused sparkling water in raspberry, lemon, blackberry and and blood orange. Each gummy is dosed with 25 milligrams of CBD and can be purchased in a bottle of 10 or 20. Wild CBD is offering our listeners 30% off their next purchase from wildcbd.com by using the code POD. That's code POD for 30% off your next purchase. Wild CBD products are intended only for use by individuals aged 18 and older. Wild CBD products should only be consumed as directed on the label and should not be used if you are pregnant or breastfeeding. All wild CBD products are made with ingredients containing zero THC. Consult with a health professional prior to using wild CBD in combination with any medications or other dietary supplements. And welcome to another episode. I'm your host, W-I-Z-E Wise, and I have a very special guest on. He is one of the hosts of the Wise Guy Show, Jumpin' Gennaro. What up, brother? Gracias, gracias. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. I, I've had your other two partners on the last couple of days. I had uh, Boricua Parsi on yesterday, and I had Freddie the Fireman on Tuesday. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Freddie the Fireman, just so you know, uh, besides being a retired fireman in the city of Newark, is somebody I've known from my childhood, and he's the one who invited me on the show uh, a few years back. And, uh, you know, this... Wise Guy Show is not just about wise guys' stories and films and and actors of, of the Wise Guys era. It's stories about the neighborhoods that we all can relate to. You being a Brooklyn guy, uh, me growing up uh, in Clifton and then in Belleville and then hanging out and uh, working in Newark, um, you basically you have pretty much the same same upbringing and we have many similar stories and so um at some point freddie was uh, you know running the show and he says hey mike i'd like to have you come on as a as a part-time co-host one day i said sure absolutely and that's how we kind of started and how it rolled and uh and it became very very uh you know uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for it was uh um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? You know, it just as you as you were there, it just you wanted to do more and more, and and it became. Uh, it was just meant know, to be, man. It was meant to be that way, man. It was, it was just meant to be. it was exactly yeah. it was meant to be. Well, anytime I'm involved with anything that I do, uh, I I have to make a decision whether I'm going to be a part of it. Uh, because I take things very seriously. So if you invite me to be part of something, I'm going to not only bring my positive energy uh, and my creativity, but I'm, I'm, I know it's a commitment. And so uh, it started out very casual. And I said, uh, yeah, you know, you know I, I, I see what this is about and the concept, but it really became more of an entertainment platform. And it's always 
pretty much done on the fly. You have your, your, um, <clears throat> you know, your format as to what the show is going to be about and the guests, are, you know, who they're, who they're going to be. But on our show, anything can happen at any given moment. It's, it's very, very much improvised moment to moment. We work off of each other. We, we sense the energy of a guest. And the irony of it is that people that come in and they actually, you know, in studio guests, they, they kind of come in like, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, have to, you know, just know what time I'm going on because I have to be somewhere or, you know, I can only be out so much. And then before you know it, they're hanging out with us all night long because they realize, you know what? Yeah, this is, this is something very special. This is something I remember, you know, being with my friends, being with my boys, being with my, you know, my neighborhood, being in my neighborhood, you know, kind of a thing. And, you know, you can kind of hear it, but when you see it live, we go live on Facebook twice a month and, and actually watch, you know, even the archive shows, you'll get a really good sense of, of it, of, of the dynamic of it. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's what Jumpin' Gennaro actually is my stage name. I am a singer and I, um, I have done, you know, quite a bit of, uh, crooner stuff, but, uh, I really got into Louis Prima, uh, in the last, you know, band that I was in and our, our group, we did a, a lot of Louis Prima stuff, a lot of swing, uh, era music. And so my band leader, who really was a good friend of mine and a customer. I'm in the auto business, so uh, and I work on a lot of specialty cars, especially Italian cars. Uh, he came up to me one day, his name is Jim D'Antonio, and said to me, you know, I, uh, I've i been always, uh, you know, wanting to do something in the uh, the swing genre. My, my in-laws love to dance to it. They can't seem to find and get a good band. And he goes, I know you love to sing. So he kind of invited me. And it was really kind of the most difficult time in my life because I just lost my dad. I'm, I'm, I'm managing the family business and, but I'm, I knew that I had to stay, you know, involved some way, somehow creating because I'm a creative person and not creating is like, you know, suffocating, you know, you, you, you feel like you're being asphyxiated you know, and, and you can't breathe. And so when he told me, you know, when he, he was interested in doing this, and I said, well, I really didn't know that you were musically involved. He says, oh, yeah, I've been doing rock and roll for years and playing lead guitar in a lot of different bands. And, I, and, I, and so that was a, a wild, um, you know, wild uh, uh, you know, moment for me because I didn't realize he had that talent. And so I said, well, you know what? I got to be honest with you. The fact that you invited me means a lot to me besides being a, a really good guy and a good friend and a good customer. I said, uh, some way, somehow I'm going to make this happen. And that's how it started. And so, uh, before I get into all the details and the journey of, of, uh, of jumping Janeiro and the, and the Papa's cash quartet, uh, my name didn't come out you know, till later on, until we actually formed the band. And then he started thinking about different names that he thought would be, you know, kind of catchy and, you know, cool. And, and being that my name is Michael DeGenato, uh, he, he managed to find a guy back in the forties that was part of a swing band named Jumpin' Janeiro. And when he told me, he says, Michael, he goes, I got the perfect name. He says, what do you think about jumping Janeiro? Now, when he told me, I took a step back and I said, and I did exactly that. I, I, I laughed. <laughs> I laughed because I said, what did you say? There was a jumping Janeiro. He goes, Michael, there was a band back in the day, swing band, and there was a guy named Jumpin' Janeiro. And I said, Jimmy, that that's, I, 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 that's perfect. I said, I, I love it. And I'm not a jumpy person, but I'm an energy person. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, I'm like jumping on the uh, <laughs> jumping load, but, but I'm a, I'm an energy person. I got a lot of energy. And like I say, when I'm committed to something, I, I don't go 50%. I go yeah. 200%. And so, um, you know, it was just perfect. It was a perfect stage name. 
for me. And then, uh, and then it was a matter of just connecting people. You know, he says, well, we're going to need a bass player. And when he said the word bass player, I literally had just been not too long before at a 50th birthday party of a friend of mine, Valerie, who is uh, amazing talent in music. She's actually a soprano uh, opera singer, and she teaches music to children. And uh, I sang It Was a Very Good Year, and I whistled the chorus. And there was somebody at the party that said they had never heard anything like that. And it was, it was, it was mesmerizing. He said, I said, wow, thank you. I just got to improvise the moment. But when I did it, it, it was because I didn't have any musical instrument, you know, any backup, any, any horns to back me up. And so I just improvised the whistle. And ever since that day, it became one of my favorite songs of all time, because when I whistle, I'm actually connecting my dad into the moment because he was a whistler. He loved to whistle. And then it became very sentimental to me. And so now when I sing that song and I whistle the chorus, not only did I make it my own, but it has so much more depth to it, you know, and, and also, you know, having a, a connection to Sinatra, loving his music. And um, I, um, so I, um, you know, uh, it's one of my favorites. So, pretty much anyway. So, so this guy named, uh, Jeff Stonier, uh, is one of the roommates of Valerie's husband, Craig Ketter. Craig Ketter, um, is actually a world renowned, a world renowned, internationally known, um, a pianist. Uh, he's actually a child prodigy, uh, in classical piano. And, um, and so Jeff Stonier was a roommate of his back in the day in New York when they were both kind of breaking into music. And even though Jeff was more of a rock and roller, um, he come, he came up to me and he says, he says to me, he goes, man, he goes, I never heard anything like that. He says, I play bass. And he says, I've always wanted to do this genre of music. He says, I would love to jam with you sometime. And I remember that. And because, he, because, uh, because he said that again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an energy person, not just saying energy in the sense of, you know, I'm when I, you know, I, 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 I just do things with heart and, you know, and, uh, and, and I get fueled uh, by in the moment I connect with other energies, positive energies, people, talent. And I just, you know, I want to be, with them, I want them to be with me. I want to be. I want to create with them. You know, I, mean? I want to collaborate. Yeah, because that's 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 the energy you're putting out there. So that's what you attract to you. You attract that kind of energy to you. But I have to be honest with you. There's a lot of negative forces. I don't have to share with you. There's a, and I I had this conversation recently with a few people, my family and with my with my good friends. You need those opposing forces. The opposing forces. You can't be discouraged by the opposing forces. You don't know why those those forces are opposing. Either somebody admires what you're doing and they they they, they you inspire them, but they just don't know how to communicate. You know that you inspire them, so you know they 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 have a tendency to to act and say things that you would interpret as you know negative. They just don't know how to you know they don't know how to. Um, you know, express them, their emotions, then because not everybody, you know, in this world is that evil. There is evil, but, it, it, you know, you can't right away say, oh, that person's jealous, that person's evil. And sometimes they don't know how to express. And so they, they become an imposing force because they, they, they're not in your, 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 your flow, yeah. if that makes any sense. They're not in your channel. And what I, what I realized lately is I feel like there's, a lot of opposing forces that are just in the way. And so I say to myself, I'm like, it's very interesting that this is happening. Uh, and now more often than, 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 uh, you know, that has been. So that only tells you that you have some, something really special to share and really strong. And people are like kind of, you know, 
not physically, but in a way, well, trying to hold on to yeah, you. No, you, you, like you get those. You get those energy suckers. You get those people that drain your energy. That that all they want from you is your energy. They're not. They're not. They're just not. There. Well, that, that, that's what, what, another category. Yeah, wait, yeah well, you, cause, 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 cause when you when you when there's certain times when you combine with energy and it just gives you more energy, it's just like, and you're not right. stealing from each other. It's just like. It's just yeah. it's just channeling each other and y'all just feeding each other that energy and y'all just boosting each other up. Whereas there right. are other people that just drain, don't give back, just drain. Exactly. Well, I have that. I have noticed that lately too. Uh, no matter what you do, and I always say this is my, and I'm speaking for myself, not for anybody else. Yeah. Is that when when I do something, I do it with the greatest intentions without an ulterior motive, meaning I don't expect anything back. What I do appreciate, and which I get discouraged in the sense, is that the reciprocation is very, very weak with many. And so uh, I, I would just like to just to, not even, I don't expect anything, but just to know there's a little reciprocation there, you know. It's like, because I always say to myself, why not? Why not? Yeah. You know, why not? You're not going to stop me. I'm going to keep flowing. Yeah. And and then and then I'm very fortunate to have beautiful people that do recognize it, and they just, they don't have to do much of anything but just smile sincerely and just say, you know, uh, I, I'm happy to have you in my life. That is enough. Yeah. That, that is very simple, has no, 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 you know, no, um, you know, no money, there's no price on that. Yeah, no. Anyway, we're, we're going, we're going all over the, I'm going all over yeah, the place. Listen, this, but, but, this anyway. is, but this is why I do this, it's because we're here to have a conversation and we're here to talk and just, and just let people, I, I want people, when I do my show, I do it, I want people to just enjoy themselves, just come here and have a conversation and that's what I just do. I just have here, we talk, and you I like hearing your stories. What? You know what I'm going to say to you? And this is why um, I'm here right now. Okay. Steve Joyner, I met him through the Wise Guy Show. Yeah. Okay. And he would reach out to Freddie quite a few times, you know, and he's on the, he's on the West yeah, Coast, West we're on the East Coast. We're always saying one day we got to connect, you know, we got to get together. And he, he, he's another guy who is a positive guy. He's on the West Coast, and he wants to connect people. Yeah. All right? Now, at the same time, this is a networking, but anytime I have any conversation with him, it's always been good. Yeah. You know? And, and, he's, and he's introduced me to people that are, that are just the same. So I always – I never say no. Uh, I, I, I never, I, I'm not, you know, it has to make, it has to work with my schedule, but I'm always available to share whatever I could because yeah. this is the, this is the number one right here. I'm going to share with you. We came in this world and everybody that I ever met um, hasn't told me that they have them. They have information that's any different than what I know that we're all going to leave. Okay, so if you know we came and then we're gonna leave, yeah, why not make the best of every single moment? Because I know I've seen people, including the hardest hit in my life was my father seven years ago, is not here anymore. There's been people that have been important to me, you know, that have come and left. There's been animals that were important to me that came and left. You know, I, I I haven't seen my dad walking in the streets, so I really, you know, had to connect with the reality of that. He's originally, you know, he's officially gone physically, and I haven't seen him, so it's 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 real. I'm yeah. thinking it's real, right, that he's gone for real to some other place beyond this earth, okay? And so why all the fucking stupid shit that goes on, you know, yeah, no. the game? Why wasting time? I don't want to waste no time. I want to do what I got to do. It's like when I was, I'm I'm 44 years old, right? And I lost my first wife when I was 31 years old. She wow. died. She, oh, she died. She died in a car accident. Yeah, she died. She died in a car accident. And then the following year, 
I had reconciled, I had reconciled with my father and I went to go see him in Puerto Rico. It was uh Father's Day weekend. I went, I got there Friday. Saw him Friday, like we hugged, I forgave him. I'm like, listen, whatever happened between us all those years in the past, I, I, well, why you weren't in my life is all it's all in the past. The next morning he passed away. So oh. it, it's so so it's like I went from losing my wife, like my best friend, to reconnecting with my dad and then losing him. And that just changed the way I look at life. It's like, yo, life is just too precious for me. So, man, I'm sorry. I knew nothing about this, about you. But here's here's, here's a perfect example how this conversation was necessary because now I'm going to shut up and have you continue what you're about to say. But I just just want to touch on that very fact that if anybody, if anybody is going to be a, a have a testimony to is you. Go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, it's it's all good, brother. It's, it's, I don't really share my story much. Is I I share with people who share with me their story like that. So, so I know what you're going through as far as losing your dad and and losing people close to you and 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 looking at it like. Because after my wife died, I was in a dark place for I was for a complete year. I was like, I didn't care about anything. I I didn't I I was getting drunk. I didn't care. I didn't give a damn. I was angry with with everything. I was angry with God. I was angry with everything. And wow, it's unfathomable, unfathomable. Yeah. So so it's like once. So after that year, I was like, you know what? I really got to get my shit together. I need to. She wouldn't want me to be this way. She wouldn't want me to be in this dark place, hating life, hating everything. Because I did, I honestly did. And then I, 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 I went to Puerto Rico for my mom's 80th birthday that May. My sister, my sister from my father's side, found me on Facebook and reconnected me and my dad. She said, "Like, yo, I want you to come to Puerto Rico. It was a Father's Day gift for my dad and my two brothers." And I went over there, and we, like I said, we got together, spent a couple of hours together. Me and my little brother went. We went shoot some pool on the island somewhere. And when next morning, my sister's like, "Yo, get over here quickly!" And he he passed away. But I guess he was waiting to see me. It's like he needed that closure, and I needed that closure. So it 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 just like and now now I look at people were like, "Oh, you just it's not that I don't I don't." I look at life differently. I like it's like everything is precious. I, I don't I don't sweat the small stuff. That's how I look at it. I don't I don't sweat the small stuff because it's too it's too short for me to be sweating little petty stuff. Right. That's 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 exactly the point I'm trying to make. Uh, you know what? I don't sweat the petty stuff, but I do. I'm a person of heart, and it is sad to watch people behave in a certain way, like you're looking at it, you understand it, and, you know, you don't say anything, and I don't know, you wonder if people are that far gone in their mind, they're not they're not aware, maybe they're medicated, maybe they're high, I have no idea, but you see, right, like, I'm, I have this gift, I see three levels, so if somebody is doing, you know, something that's against me, that is spiteful or in any way, I'm like, I'm like, why do you have to be that way? I, I just, I recognize it and I don't, I don't uh, dwell on it and I don't, I'm not a drama queen. I'm like, man, I understand why, why did, why do they have to behave that way? It's just, um, it's um, unbelievable. And, and so everything that's ever happened in my life that I've visioned and I'm looking, I'm like, not lust in it. And not like saying, I got to have that. Just observing and saying, wouldn't that be nice? I promise you, if it's that interesting to me or if it's something that I really want to do or to be part of, it may not happen in a year. It might even happen in five years. But it comes in my path. It's something that's happened since my childhood. And so, so when the opposing forces are in the way, I always say, listen, you're going to stand in my way. I'm going to find a way around it, yeah. around you. It may not be today, not be. The, so I don't really press when I want something. It's just really. You, you, you've always known. You've always known the secret, man. You've always known the huh? secret. You've always known the secret. You. 
personally. You've always known what that. I'm saying, what I'm saying to you is I don't put extreme effort in making something happen when I feel the force is against me too strong. Yeah. I say, okay, God is like telling me to just take a chill and hold off. It's good. Something's coming. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I'm yeah, a very, nah, very strong. You put, you put that energy you out there. You got you put it out there. You you manifest it, man. Anytime you anytime you put it out there, and you put it out to God, and you put it and you let Him know. He might not put it, give it to you instantly, but you will yeah. get it. You will get yeah. it. You you just got to put yeah. it out there, and he, and He will well, answer. What I, what I what I what I realize more than every, anything is, you know, some people like, you know, you you you're your close family will tell you more than anyone else. You know, if you, if you're above, you know, you're thinking, I, I like to play. I like to play. I like to joke. And sometimes I am probably uh, God's honest truth. One of the most humble people, you know, when you see me out there and I'm, I'm drilling, man, I'm drilling. It comes from a sincere place. Yeah. It's not, it's real. And it looks like that. I'm, you know, I'm going out of my mind. I'm, I'm taking, I'm able to walk and talk and move. I'm taking my energy and I'm trying to just connect and bring people together. I'm not a person that divides. So, so what I recognize more than anything else is ego around me, you know, and for no great reason, you know, if you're going to be an egotistical person and really, you know, be, show me that you can move the mountain. And then I'll say, wow, look at this guy. He can move those mountains. I better keep my mouth shut. But if you're just doing something, okay, that is, you know, special, that's great. I'm going to celebrate with you. But if you're thinking you're going to do, you're doing something so special, and you know, you know, look at me. Look what I'm doing. Check this out. Yeah, make sure you mention my name. Look what I'm doing. Look at. Everybody, it's me. I'm on top of the mountain. You know, I just can't help but say myself, man, that's just, you know, it's just pathetic. So um, the best thing I could tell you about me, Michael DeGenato and Jumpin' Janelle, uh, I love you know, celebrating that because I came in as someone who was able to create with great people, my band, great people, and that's why I'm proud to say it. And I carried my stage name to the show. Matter of fact, Freddie goes, he knows my history. He knows my family. When we had a business in Newark, I mean, we don't just service in any kind of, I, I can do any kind of car, but we restored and serviced specialty cars, Fiat's, Alfa Romeo's, you know, Ferrari's, Maserati's, you know, pretty exclusive kind of stuff. And he always was proud to say that because he knew, you know, being from the neighborhood, seeing those cars and seeing us working on them. I, my brother, my, my father, the main, um, he says, Oh, would you want to come on the show as Mike, the mechanic? And you could talk about, so I said, I said, Freddie, I said, that is part of my life. And that's a passion of mine, but the music, you know, I'm an actor, by the way, uh, I've been talking about my music, but I studied acting. You know, when I was very young, at the age of, of uh, 16, not very young, I mean, like I broke into it around the age of 16. I used to mess around and always do skits and stuff with my friends. When we had the old, uh, you know, uh, recording camcorders, you know, so not, uh, doing scenes of uh, De Niro and Pacino and, and uh, the greats, you know, Robert Duvall, Gene Hackman. And, and so I said, uh, no, I'm going to come on the show as Jumpin' Janeiro. And he says, okay. I said, because, you know, I am an entertainer. And I'd like to come on the show. You know, it's, it's ent- entertainment related. Yeah. Uh, you know, as my entertainment name. And so that's how that all started. And how I brought it up to the show. And uh, you were going to say something? No, that's cool. I, I think that was cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I ended up actually, <laughs> you know, listen, I'm gonna, I got I got to tell you something. We're actually doing um, a reading tonight in Hoboken 
at my parents' godson's restaurant, Michelino's, and uh, we're doing a reading of, of a script that one of the new members of the Wise Guy show, Angela Chetta, we call him the ambassador of Hoboken. Um, there was a period where I started coming up with an idea of making people ambassadors. We have a um, Julie Angelina, we call her, I gave her nickname, Julie Pasta Bazzulli. She's in Australia. <laughs> Wonderful, amazing woman, survivor of MS, child that has autism. Uh, beautiful woman, uh, challenges, beautiful family. Uh, she does a show called Trunk Housewives of Australia because with her medication, with, <laughs> um, with, um, with MS and drinking red wine when she's cooking in her own kitchen, you know, she, uh, she came up with that name. Um, anyway, I got off track, but Angelo has actually invited us on the show, me, Freddie, Joey Catalano, who's in, who's going to be in Many Saints of Newark, coming out in November, the prequel to Sopranos. He's one of our new members of the show, co-host, part-time co-host. Um, we have uh, uh, Biagio, who's on our show. He's our uh, he's uh, one of the main hosts, who's also a performer we just did the Italian Heritage Festival with. Uh, we're all going to be meeting and doing a reading of, of a script. Uh, so, but I, I was, I would stay on with you all night, man. I, mean, I know I you could be. Hopefully, listen. The other night, the other night, it, it was, it was like after Steve hung up, I, I was like, yes, yeah, Steve. I was still on the phone. He sang to me and everything, man. <laughs> he's like, yeah, Gennaro could talk, man. He's like, Gennaro could talk. Believe me. He's like, yeah. When I got off the phone, I knew. I was like, yeah. I got off the phone. I'm like, yeah. He's sang to me and everything. Like, yeah, that's Gennaro for you. I'm like, so <laughs> well, let me tell you something, uh, you know, I could, like I said, I could be on here all night with you. I definitely, I love your energy and I want to connect with you, you know, on a future date. Cause I, well, I got so Freddie, Freddie, Freddie's like, Freddie's like, Freddie's like, yo, when we get the situation with the studio, you're going to come down. I'm like, Oh, that, listen, I'm, I'm off. Listen, Corrado, my friend Corrado, who's a friend of yours as well. He's he plugged me onto you guys months ago, even before I even started podcasting. Like he plugged me into you guys, and so when Steve was like, "Oh, you know the wise guys," I said, "Yeah, I'm 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 one of my friends is good friends with them." He's like, "Yeah." So when I told Corrado, he says, "Yo, call me, call me." So I called him. He said, "Yeah, jumping journal, all of them. They're all great people, man. I love them." I said, and he says, "You're gonna have a great time with talking to them." I said, "I know." He's like, "But." <laughs> like yo, they're funny as hell. Let me tell you something. When you come in our studio and you sit at our table, that's like sitting at the table of our home, and we breaking bread. We're not just telling stories. We got always a spread, you know, in the studio. You're gonna be there, like, damn man, I want to fucking hang here all week. About <laughs> I want to come here all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, man. So I was I was telling you a little bit about my acting. Uh, yeah. I studied Meisner. I studied Meisner with a great talent, Michael Hartstark, who was in the film uh, Alice Sweet Alice. He plays the detective in that. It was filmed out of Patterson, New Jersey. But I didn't know all this. I only got into it because a friend of mine who's crazy, Anthony Silvestro, who's a mutual friend of mine and Freddie's. He was act he's actually older than me. He's in Freddie's grade at Belleville High School. I was uh, I was sitting in the cafeteria, and I'm, you know, I always like to dress like GQ. I used to dress up, and I I observed him. He looked like he was Don Johnson. Yeah. He had the, the sports jacket. Remember Miami Vice? Dance? Yeah. I was just having that conversation. Oh, with you? It was with me. You had the conversation with. Yeah. yeah. You, you, look, you <laughs> tell me you're a big Phil Collins fan. And I was like, and I can hear them <laughs> calling in the air of night. I I was like, that's got to be one of one of the best of all time. Yeah. Uh, and remember that scene when they were in fucking Miami Vice. And anyway, well, my friend Anthony Silvestro thought he was Don Johnson, his head, and he dressed like him and he looked like him to some degree. And I was like, look at it. I didn't know him, you know, just in the cafeteria. He was older than me. I'm looking over, I'm like, look at this fucking character. What a character! <laughs> and he's talking, but he's. He, he had the rap because he had these girls talking to him, really cute girls. You know, he could, I, I love him to death. He's, he's basically one of my 
good friends through my life because he was just always fucking crazy like that. <laughs> and and I can tell you, you would think he was the most mind secure person, confident person in the world. And what you what I really loved about him, he wasn't perfect, and it was a kind of like a um, a a contra- he was in contrary to that. Okay, uh, but. He, he had it, man. He had it. He had it down packed and he played it and he, he got the girls. And that's what I admired about him is that he, one way or one, one way or another, he, he played it off. And so one day I just had some conversation with him, with him and he goes, man, you, he goes, I've been recognizing you, you dress pretty real, you know, pretty good, really cool. And, and so that's how we kind of hit off. I'm like, you, you're a character, man. I said, um, I said, I see you, I see you, you know, you got that rap with the girls. And he goes, yeah, he goes, um, mm-hmm. I'm into my looks. I'm in, you know, yeah. He goes, um, I always thought about modeling and acting. That's what kind of hit, you know, a chord with me. I was like, it's funny you say that because I always, you know, thought about doing that as well. I actually did some modeling too. I didn't get into that, but I did some modeling and I did. And then eventually he was really the, one of my reasons I took the path as an actor. Yeah. And, and how that happened was he says, uh, he goes, Oh, you know about this? Uh, Danielle, like the Yeah. Taxi driver. Ta- yeah. I know about taxi driver. We, it was just weird that we're, we're talking about, you know, 1980s. Yeah. I mean, we're like today, we went through a, like a course where people like knew about taxi driver. And then now if you ask the kids today, they're like, what's that? And who's De Niro? But th- that period to know about Robert De Niro, the way he behaved in that film, taxi driver, understanding Scorsese's direction. We were young. You have, you have one of the, you have one of the greatest scenes is you talking to me. You're yeah, talking exactly. to me. <laughs> so, so that's, uh, you, so, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> You know, they pulls out that gadget. I mean, that's classic. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know this, but I recognized who used to do that was the, was uh, Marlon Brando. So Marlon, so most actors will look in the mirror in general just to try to get expressions and you know try to see you know more or less on their actions how they look. Yeah. You know, so the mirror has always been used. I mean, whether you're an actor or you know or just an ordinary person. We all do that shit. <laughs> One time or another in our lives, you know, what the fuck are you looking at? You talking to me? <laughs> so we all kind of do that in a sense, but I, I saw an earlier film with Brando doing something similar to that, and I always wondered, and if I that, if I ever had a, a conversation with De Niro and, and, um, and uh, Scorsese again, we didn't get a chance to. I just saw The Irishman um, in a, um, per, it was, it was in New York. I had yeah. saw the film, but I've got a chance to see it again in New York. And Robert De Niro and Scorsese were actually on the panel talking after the film, which was euphoric. And they weren't answering questions to the audience. They, uh, they were being interviewed. I can't remember the woman's name, but just to see De Niro and Scorsese, that was like, forget about it. And so, you know what's really funny is that I'm like all of a sudden these thoughts are just coming into mind and I'm just pulling stuff from every direction. I'm so I'm all <laughs> over the place. But I, I find myself when I talk about them, I'm making it up. It sounds like I'm making it up, you know. Like, like, yeah. Stuff that happens in my life. Like I, I said this repeatedly in the past six months because more so than ever in my life, I realize that there's certain things and events that are happening or that have happened and I talk about it and I'm like, sounds like I'm making this stuff up. It's just, it's just, this is my life lately. No, I feel you. Cause like when I did my real first, like I had uh Stevie Ray from um, Harlem heat was my, one of my first celebrities that I did. What? And Steve was like, he doesn't really want to talk about wrestling. And I'm like, that's cool with me. I, I like, that's fine. I just want to interview him. And, and cause I looked up to him growing up, him and his brother Booker T and stuff like that. So, it, it it was cool, and I was like, and I usually play. I play. I had. I was playing. Like, I had a game that I would play with some of my guests, and and he was like, uh, he was kind of like leery about. Wait, it. You're like, a big wrestling fan. You're a big. Wrestling I'm a big fan? wrestling fan. Big wrestling fan. I got. Right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. 
I'm going to blow your mind. Listen, it's 7.40. I'm watching the clock because I know you got to go. Get in the Hoboken. It's 30 minutes away. But let me just share this with you. Let me stop talking about myself for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Because I could be all night talking about things. Um, Let me finish what we were talking about with uh, De Niro. Yes. And and, uh, part of my acting. I'm going to make it now in a quick, and then I'll, I'll give you a breakdown at a future date when we talk. All right. Definitely. So I went from, uh, and then I'm going to I'm going to close off with a great wrestling story. You're going to love. I promise. <laughs> um, so my acting was stimulated with, you know, doing these videos with my friend Angelo Delasanti, nicknamed Chicky, growing up. Anthony Silvestro, who I told you about, who thought he was Don Johnson. And we would do different scenes, you know. I always loved the one with Pacino. What you looking at? You need people like me. So you can point your fucking finger and say, that's a bad guy. I'm giving you a shorter version of that scene. So we'd act that out. And I'd be drunk, tripping over the tables and chairs, you know. And you remember that part? This is one of the best lines in any film in history. Okay? Me? Oh, um, me? Um, wait a minute. Let me remember the line now. Um, me? I don't have no problems. Here it goes. Me, I always tell the truth, even when I lie. (laughs) (laughs) That's gotta be the most classic for me. I don't know what it is, man. And he was probably, he probably maybe was really high or drunk. I don't know in the scene or just did it that well. But the fact that he said that was like, blew my mind. Um, so we would do stuff like that, do the De Niro scenes, yeah, the Pacino scenes. One day, Anthony Silvestro, my friend, was reading a paper with his grandmother. He lived in Verona, New Jersey at the time. Now, we're talking about 1988, maybe, let me think. Yeah, possibly 88, 89, give or take, 89. So he says, Michael, he says, there's this acting class in Montclair, New Jersey, and um, it's, uh, you know, uh, out of the school, elementary school, whatever it is, uh, in, in, um, in Montclair. And I said, an acting class? He says, yeah, somebody actually teaches within that school at night. So I said, well, I said, um, how much is it? He says, uh, $300. I said, for how long? He says, well, it's a 15 week program. So I guess you meet once a week. And I'm like, wow. I said, well, the worst thing that can happen is it's $300. We're out 300 bucks. If it's not real, you know, you always you hear these stories about, yeah. you know, scams and stuff. Well, let me tell you something. I said, yeah, let's do it. So we, we go and we meet Michael Hartstark, who comes out from New York, who studied with James Price, who becomes my eventually my teacher when I when I when I studied at the acting, not actors, the acting studio incorporated in New York, which is also Chelsea Repertory. Okay. Eventually that's where my path led. But Michael Hartstark, okay, was work. Now, here's another name that you got to remember. Michael Hartstark was working with James Price, who became eventually my teacher as well. Studied with Michael and then with James. Okay. And James Price was the protege of Sanford Meisner. Now, I don't know if you ever heard of the Meisner technique. Now, you're talking about legends in the acting world as teachers and the Meisner, Sanford Meisner developed his own technique. They're all techniques based on Stanislavski, but 
this was introduced to me as like, what is this? Oh, the Meisner technique. I had no clue. Remember, I didn't have any training prior to this day time. So, well, the only thing we're going to do is we're going to we're going to be doing a a um, we're going to be doing a um, in class today. Um, we're going to be doing this exercise. All you're going to do is repeat exactly what you hear from the other person. So basically, when we were kids and we wanted to know each other, we we would play that copycat game. You would say something, you're like, stop, stop. Will you stop already? Will you stop already? Come on, come on, you know, that annoying game. Well, it was just basically, I'm like, what is this? You had to hang in long enough to realize that at some point you would trip and then you'd have to repeat that trip. I mean, then, so it was really a combination of learning, okay, uh, learning a different, this technique to basically be connected to that person. Yeah. Right there, like a tennis match, balls going across the court, back and forth, back and forth. It also did put you in tune and became very, you know, um, aware of what you're hearing and you're repeating. So you're staying connected. You're staying in tune with that uh, person. I didn't understand that in the beginning. So all I knew is that I was extremely passionate and willing to learn whatever it was, you know, that made the greats that we admire so great. They weren't born that way. (laughs) They have the talent, but they were trained and they developed something and went to another level and another level, another level. And that's all. I was so hungry for that. And I was one of the youngest in the class. I was 17. You know, most of the people that were, were there were people that either were former actors, kind of, you know, kind of, you know, went back into like just very, very casually. Then you had people that never had any idea what it was about, you know, but there were professional people who was a psychologist, who was a doctor, you know what I mean? And then there was people that just wanted to do something on a, you know, on a certain night of the week, whatever. I think it was Mondays. We had but, um, and so you knew who was serious and who wasn't, but man, what I did appreciate is I was young and I'd see the couple of the older women, you know, actually <laughs> women, you know, and like, you know, they look at you and like, well, I got to do a scene with this young guy kind of a thing. Cause eventually you broke into scenes. And then when it came to the moment where you had to give up your truth, like you and I connected and giving our truth from a real place. Um, you're only sharing something with me because you trusted me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to share this with you because you know, we're invited and you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm not going to give you no bullshit. That's what I'm saying to you. Whatever I'm telling you is things that I experienced in my life. Okay. And not, you know, Oh man, I did this and I did that. And, you know, I did no tell me what I did, the real deal. Yeah. And, and that's why I say sometimes I, I catch myself saying, you know, sounds like I'm making this stuff up because I've been blessed. I truly have been blessed, but I've also been inspired by others. And I've, I, I try to inspire and, 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 and be just, you know, uh, important in this, in this universe, in this world, you know, as much as I can. And, and it's not always, you know, I'm not always, Happy go lucky. I mean, listen, I'm human. Uh, I have emotions. I'm going to feel the way I feel. I'm going to, you know, you know, I'm going to feel, you know, some days, you know, more challenging than the other. But when I wake up in the morning, I do have the mindset of being productive and 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 thinking about how, you know, I could, uh, you know, inspire others. Uh, so back to the Meisner. Yeah. So I studied Meisner and then. What would happen is the the class would break down. Once people had come out with their truth, it was a little bit too delicate, you know. So you'd find them not coming to class anymore, or they skip a class, or like, you know, 
That happened on two occasions. And it's frustrating because you start meeting people, connecting with people, trusting them. And then at some point they're gone and not maybe that wasn't always the case. Maybe some people just, you know, couldn't do it for whatever reason, you know, whatever was going on in their lives anymore. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Michael Hardstock. He's looking at me and you know, he feels bad. He's a teacher. Yeah. Right. And so he wants a glass. He doesn't, you know, he, this is something he really enjoys. And he did it. He did inspire me. He says, Michael, he said, uh, he said, you know, I have to be honest. He says, this kind of happens. And, um, and it's tough because I know you committed yourself and others like you here have committed themselves and it is a commitment. And he says, unfortunately, this is what happens. I said, well, what do I do now? I said, no, I want, I want, you know, I want more. I said, I, he says, well, let me tell you, I only have the confidence because of, I, I think that you are hungry. I think that you are talented and um, you're asking me, he says, the only thing I could do is refer you to where I studied and introduce you to James Price, who's the director of the studio. Yeah. And when he said, he says, but when, when I say commitment now, you have to go to New York and you have to meet up with your scene study partner once to twice a week besides class. So I was like, so I have to go to New York several times a week. I'm like, whatever it takes. Now I was probably speaking, you know, from a real like inspired moment, you know what I mean? But it was a commitment going to the city from, I, I lived in Belleville. I worked in Newark where our business was, but I was near the train station. Yeah. So sometimes I would drive in, sometimes I would take the train in, but I did it. And I met with James Price and he said to me, he says, Michael, you're kind of young. You know, we have very serious you know, people, students, actors. He says, what, uh, why do you want to do this? And I used that example about De Niro and Pacino. I'm like, okay. I said, well, I did acting scenes with my friends. You know, we would film, you know, great. And I would mention all these films and he was like, wow, he, he realized, wow, this guy, this kid is on a track with understanding, you know, good actors and good films. And so I said, but I always wondered, I know that they had talent, but I, I couldn't imagine that they just were born that way. So I was always wondering, how did they get there? That's what I wanted to know. When I said that to him, James Price looked at me, he says, Michael, okay. Okay. Yeah. Said, we're going to start with this. I'm going to start this time. This is what it's going to be. We'll see how it goes. Well, not only did I become one of his best students, but he gave me the, the, uh, on the, on the, of the two year, cause I ended up doing the two year program. Yeah. I ended up playing the main role and I never left the stage from beginning to the end. It was the incredibly famous Willie Rivers by Stephen Metcalf. It was adapted into the hip hop world. So I'm going to do two things. Cause we're going to tell you levels and levels of, you know, uh, my acting and my singing and oh no we gonna, we we got, we're gonna do another show because I know you still got you gotta go you gotta go so I gotta go let me say this to you this is what happened working on this piece called the incredibly famous Willie Rivers we changed it to the hip hop world man if you see a picture of me you'll be bugging out <laughs> but it was around the time when. Marky Mark was the Buck, Cowan, yeah. the poster. So, so that's how we played the incredibly famous Willie Rivers. I, I was like a Marky Mark. I had the Calvins on. I was all hooked up, you know. I was and I was I was ripped, man. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was, ripped. It was a lot skinnier. You know, yeah, I, was I, I used to have a six pack. Now I got a cake. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, so I'm going to inspire you with this. At the time, we were working on the characters. So I can rap too, you know. Um, I went through that whole freestyle you know, era, of course, and, you know, popped and did some break dance. <laughs> but anyway, to build that character, uh, I came up with a poem, and then I made it into a rap, 
Yeah. And imagine this was 25 years ago. 25 years ago, maybe even 26 years ago. And it still applies to today. <coughs> it was about heroin. Not as a user, but this I, I saw a cousin of mine who was living in America, moved to Italy, came back. She was hooked on it. There's an epidemic in Italy and Spain, just like America. Yeah. And then I saw people that I went to high school with a few years later not doing anything and messing up on it. And I was really sickened by it. how much we're talking about 1990, 91. Yeah. Sickened by heroin. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I wrote it about heroin, not as a user. I never did any drugs. I smoked marijuana in my life back in the day but, and drink, you know, drank vino, but I never did any hard stuff. So to, they couldn't fathom how somebody would, you know, snort it or inject yeah, it. I don't like needles. <laughs> I don't like needles personally. So, so I came up with, this poem and then I use that to, to, to work on my character rapping. There's an evil spirit back in town, surely the master of disaster. I'm sending a message out to you all that haven't yet met the bastard. His name is Heroin, the powerful manipulator. It's the ultimate problem creator. It all begins when you make the wrong choice by listening to an ignorant voice. Someone tells you you're going to have fun without telling you. It's like messing with a loaded gun, so you give it a try, not realizing you just signed a contract that can set you up to die slowly takes over your body and mind until you start selling everything you can find just to get through another day in a dose by that time hell is awfully close because your spirit has been broken down and you start thinking your life can never turn around but that's when you must beat the enemy beat the heroin beat the enemy beat the heroin you just burn down the last bridge between you and your family, destroying what was once a unity. So you're high again and on your own, trying to get pedo calling from a street phone. But even then, my friend, remember it's not the end. You must find a place to rehabilitate, to beat the enemy you have learned to hate. And only then would you really start to live again. So beat the enemy, beat the heroin, beat the enemy, beat the heroin. Let me recite the end of my educated rhyme just one more time. You must find a place to rehabilitate, to beat the enemy you have learned to hate, and only then will you really start to live again. So beat the enemy. Beat the heroin. Awesome, yeah. awesome, man. That was great. I worked on that, and I worked on my character, and uh, from beginning to end. It was a great story, actually, if you ever get a chance to read it. It was actually about a rock and roll star. The, uh, the incredibly famous Willie River and who uh, who had a guy who was obsessed almost like the John Lennon story obsessed, was so obsessed with him he tried to kill him you know try to kill him, kill kill me in the character um, so uh, the journey has been pretty amazing in my life and then once uh, I met my wife you know I changed course and you know, had the family life, and I'm just tapping into you know my into all my creativity again now. Years later, my son's 20. He's actually on a date tonight with with, with a new friend, girl. Uh, I have a daughter, 16, Luciana. They're they're my they're my life, you know. And so whatever I do creatively is uh, is uh, outside of my my work life, which is my I still in. In, in the auto yeah. in the biz and uh, that's it one day at a time now just very quickly because we're going to talk a lot a lot more a lot more stories to share with you about the wrestling I heard this a couple years ago from a cousin of mine my family on my father's side have been in this country my fraternal side 150 years I researched in the Columbus, Ohio area, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, where I was born, Newcastle, PA, near Pittsburgh. Um, Bruno Samantino was just breaking here in America from Italy, and he was a true strength. He was looked at as an icon in Italy because he was such a big, strong guy. As a professional, you know, uh, strappler, whatever you want to call it, like Greco, I think Robert, wrestling yeah. uh, in Italy. So when he came here, all the Italians knew him like the real deal there. They didn't realize it was you know it was not the real deal here. 
So my, I learned this was an amazing story. My grandfather, you know, I'm the nicest guy in the world, but you twist me, you better watch out. That's the way my grandfather was. That's the way my father was. We're good, hard, and humble people, but don't play with us. And my grandfather went to see a match. They heard, oh, Bruno Sammartino. It's like, I don't know who we can even say today who that would be like. But let's just say, you know, one of the greatest fighters, you know, um, well, one he, of the time. Like, he, let's just say, all right, let's just say this. If, let's say today, like for the Italians in boxing world, okay, uh, the legend um, um, uh, of our time. I just, <laughs> I'm switching so fast. Um, undefeated Italian um, world champion boxer in history. Rocky Marciano. Yeah, Rocky Marciano. Let's just say today, me and you heard that Rocky Marciano is going to be in the next town. How can we not go and see Rocky Marciano? He's, he's coming, you know, in the next town. We're going to go. Yeah. So Bruno Sammartino was, was, Wrestling, this is in the 1970s we're talking about, maybe 72, 73. Newcastle, Pennsylvania, I think it was in Youngstown, Ohio. They were wrestling. He was wrestling the Mongol brothers. Did you ever research the history in wrestling? The early early wrestlers, some of the first ones? They were Mongolian twins. Okay. So they were tag teaming against Bruno Cimentino, and they were, like, jumping on him. My grandfather thought it was real. They thought that they were jumping him and it wasn't fair because it was two against one. So my grandfather, Tommaso De Gennaro, went fucking ballistic. He jumped in the ring. He was trying to jump in the ring. My, my father, my uncles, uh, my, my, they were holding him back. He was so pissed off. He was trying to get in the ring, go, you know, swearing at them in Italian. Like you, like you, you were, like they were cheating. He thought they were, it was real. They were double teaming him unfairly. So he wanted to get in there and he wanted to fight the Mongol brother. <laughs> so, you, you, honestly, that's not, that's, that, that's not the only time I've heard that about Sammartino, that they really did love Bruno Sammartino that much that when Bruno got used to get beat down like that, crowds used to go crazy. Like, the no, Titans used to yeah, go. Some people they, listen. They used to go between, wild. Like so some people today. Some, today, some people. Some people would. They, they. They would have to. Everything they would have to escape to the back. Real. People. People do get hit sometimes hard, and, and they get hurt. But people today still think U.S. I mean, uh, w, uh, WWE, WWE is real. Yeah. But back then, they really thought it was real. No. Yeah. They, that's not the only time. That's not the first time I hear something like that. He. He was. They loved Bruno San Martino. They, it, it, Listen, and, 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 and it was he one moment that, it looked, yeah, it's like he was training people. He trained a lot of people. I yeah. mean, that man was respected for years, even as, you know, as a, as a WWE wrestler. Yeah. But listen, man, this has been real, and I appreciate you inviting me. And we we got a good hour in here. <laughs> yeah, man, I appreciate. It. We, we went from 30, 40 minutes to an hour. Like twenty minutes. I'm, I'm watching the clock. I just don't want to stop. I'm like, I got to close off because he's a, he's a wrestling fan. I know he's gonna appreciate that one. So, yeah, I appreciate yeah. you, brother, man. It was go go handle your business, so, man. Things are, which is interesting. I'm gonna close off with we're talking. Uh, Newcastle, where I was born, and Youngstown, Ohio. Newcastle, Pennsylvania, this place was second to the steel industry of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. It was where Bob Hope had his first radio show mm. before he became into an actor and did vaudeville and okay, and comedy, and was the first Warner Brothers Studios location before they went to California. California. Okay. So. Yeah, there's a reason why I was born there. <laughs> I was made in Italy, by the way. My mother came over six she months pregnant, pregnant, and then I was born here. Uh, so I was made in Italy. Jumping Gennaro was made, made in, in Italy. Italy and born in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> pleasure, brother. Oh, man, pleasure is all mine, man. You be safe and uh, have a great night, brother. You too. Thank you for coming you on, man. Buona notte. All right, you too. Oh, wait a minute. Let's close off with an outdoor. Uno, due, tre, azzo. What is it? Acto? Azzo, A-Z-Z-O. Azzo. 
Atso. Atso. I'm going to tell you something. Katso, uh, atso is a form of katso, which means a man's penis. <laughs> so, and an element of surprise, and this is old school. We're going, we're going way back. This is nothing new. So when you would say like, wow, like, oh shit, like, you know, that's a way of expressing like, God, so like, oh, you're surprised by something in a good way or a bad way. So they cleaned it up eventually. Katsu became Atsu. Atsu. But I introduced it on the show when I came on as like, wow, like Atsu. And it just got viral. <laughs> so we close off the show. We, we shoot it out in moments when we're impressed by something. And we have it on the back of our shirt. You got to get one of the wise guy shirts. We got to get it to you. All right. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Well, you got to. We'll talk in another time and tell me what size we'll send you one. All, All right. right, brother. Yeah, man. You have you have a good night, man. Be safe. Ciao, right. ciao. All right, bye. Bye. All right, that was jumping Gennaro. Oh man, that was a great show. I appreciate him being on. Uh, let's take a quick break, and I'll be right back. Hey, this is Don Smith from the Life Radio Show. If you've always wanted to learn more about the world of low-budget filmmaking and even lower-budget comedy, tune into the Life Radio Show. You can live stream the show at www.su1069.org on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Or find us wherever you find podcasts and like and follow the Life Radio Show on Facebook for live video and other shenanigans. And we're back back thanks again for uh jumping general for being on the show and it's now time for shout outs big shout out to my man steve joiner always sent up the great interviews brother you you're the best big shout out to my man jesus boss from the screaming chewy show what up big shout out to my girl brandy j big shout out to talking real 1000 poppy j and king says Big shout out to my listener of the month, Salim. And big shout out to my wifey, Fina. Love you, baby. And as always, a big, big shout out to all the essential workers out there. God bless you. Be safe. Wise is out. Peace out. Thanks for listening. Listen on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and TuneIn. Find us on social media on Twitter at wise underscore B underscore blunt. Instagram at wise underscore B underscore blunt. And a Facebook fan page, www.facebook slash wise76. Check back soon for new episodes. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.